Jackson. Hey, all right. I just need a music stand. Actually, just, all right, bring the big thing down. Come on. That's right. <laughs> wow, what do they got in there? Like a cash register? No, I'm kidding. Hey, thank you very much. My goodness, I'm ready to run for office every time I come here. Whoa, hey, there you go. We're starting with body piercing. We'll start with your eardrums. How's that? Hey. <laughs> the demonstration of God's love. Oh. Wow, great to be back. Was that, was that feedback or was that a shofar? I couldn't tell. I want to invent a new thing. I'm always looking at new things. We need new things, right? Uh, I think when you get all tired out, you know, I, we want a catalog of stuff for charismatic people, you know, that worship too much. Uh, like if you ever want to raise your hand for hours, the Aaron and her arm props that just come out, you know, just <laughs> hold yourself up. The ones who just want to anoint everybody, you know, you got the super soaker anointing uh, up your sleeve. And if you just can't blow that shofar one more time, then we just duct tape an air horn to it. And we'll call it a blowfire. Because we know anything with duct tape's got to be from God. Anyway, I don't know why, but it seems to fix everything. Anyway, ah, wow, great to be here. Uh, and I feel rested, which is weird. Uh, I don't usually feel that way. And um, I usually travel a lot, but I, God gave me some time home. And uh, I've, been, I've been off the road for uh, about uh, two months. I, I've traveled in California, but that's not traveling in. Uh, to me, I do marathons, you know, and go to about 150 meetings a year, and it's our 10th year in Light Connection. We've been going for 10 years. We started in the Bay Area, and we're now in uh, Santa Maria, California, uh, the Central Coast, which is definitely not L.A., I found out. Uh, we call it, uh, actually, what they call it there, what do they call it? Uh, Fresno by the Sea, actually. It's a real interesting place. Nothing wrong with Fresno or anything, but it's kind of weird right next to surfers, anyway. Uh, but uh, really great to, to be there. But anyway, if you don't know about my ministry, uh, you probably many, many people don't because I got called on an assignment from God right after I watched the Blues Brothers for the hundredth time. Uh, watching the Blues Brothers and, of course, we're on an assignment from God. And God spoke to me that, you know, he's going to send me on an assignment. And I, I really kept getting prophecy after prophecy after prophecy that I was about to do something that normally people wouldn't be called to do. And I've been hearing this over and over as part of the calling of my life is to pick up things that people have said no to. And if you do it, it's hard to do because there was a reason why they said no, because it's very hard. But if you do it, you will get an amazing amount of extra what we call anointing to go with it. Uh, but first you must learn how to stay on an electronic bull for more than eight seconds. Anyway, I think we need to bring electronic bulls into the church and practice staying on the bull because that, my friends, is the Christian life. And then, here's how you know. If you can take communion on that bull ride, then it will be time for you to go. Anyway. Wondering what the heck. 
I've been talking about this for a while. I keep prophesying it everywhere. New ways to reach people. Bungee baptism. How about that? You heard it here. There'll be lines. Lines outside the door. Do I have to get a tattoo? No, you don't. Don't worry. Anyway. So I was one of the forerunners in prophetic evangelism. We started here, really, my second... Linda and I came here in 2002 to, came here, meaning to Blazing Fire. Uh, at the time, it was uh, a smothering coal, uh, but uh, <laughs> it was 30 people that were blazing inside the church, you know. I'm kidding about this. <laughs> it was right at the first start, their first year. Uh, they had been fanning the flame over and over and over. We just worship, and we went and did a prophetic evangelism outreach. That was my assignment that I had just gotten from God, right? And uh, came and did the second one here. And since then, have trained thousands of people, been all over the world, and thousands and thousands of outreaches on how to share God's love in amazing and creative ways. Any, you know, using dream interpretation, using the prophetic gift, uh, uh, using um, uh, anything, really. Uh, anything, what was that? Healing power, that's right. Uh, don't forget about all the gifts. Uh, and uh, whatever it takes, you know, but uh, here's what I do. I teach people how to be nice. Go figure. It's called ev- evangelistic table manners. They can teach people to be nice because the kindness of God is what leads to repentance, right? Apparently, there's some, ja- uh, there's some people out there, bless their hearts, who have shared the message differently. Anyway, uh, we, we launched it out with, uh, with a uh, reality TV show. Really, I, 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 I felt like we needed to be missionaries to the U.S., so I started watching TV. Honey, I told you we should have got the 50-inch. It's evangelistic research. And I started watching TV and, and begin to watch because missionaries will study the culture, study the language, and fit the message of Jesus into what people are already believing. And so that's what I did. I began to watch TV, and I noticed that people are valuing uh, reality shows, right? Oh, it's a big, de- it's a big, big deal. Uh, and uh, there's the uh, makeover shows, right? So we, we, we designed our outreach like a makeover show. And we go out and say, we just took a class on how to encourage people. Can we practice on you? How can they say no? They, some of them would say no. They're not rejecting God or you or anything. They're just in a hurry. And um, so it's like we took a class on how to encourage people. Can we practice on you? And we're given words from God. And some, some people call it evangelism light, uh, you know, or, you know, that it's some uh, sissy evangelism or something like that. But I say, you know what? It releases the 90% of the rest of the people who don't feel overly gifted in evangelism. Right? I'm so serious. See, because I, I had a natural gift of evangelism, and as a true evangelist, will find a way to get the rest of the group out. You know, all my evangelism training that I went to previously back in the 90s, even in the 80s, actually goes way back where I did stuff in the 80s and 90s. We were all evangelists who went on those things. And then everyone else felt left out, and they'd sink to the bottom of the pond, you know, and hang around with all the other carp down there, hoping no one would notice they're not doing evangelism. You know? <laughs> and you became bottom feeders for a while, where the, you were in the deep things of God. <laughs> My call is intercession, brother. And so when I came in, I'd show people how to do it. We'd practice. We'd, it was like a reality show. Then we went to the mall, took people out to the mall. You will not forget that workshop, right? 
And so people would say to me, Brother Doug, I'm so glad that you helped me find my gifts. I know right now I'm an intercessor, so I'm going to stay back here and hold the fort down. And I'm like, come on, the fort has been held down too long. Be an outercessor. If you want to intercede, come out and intercede out there for us. And then you drag them in, and they're giving an encouraging word. Next thing you know, they're up at the mic. I can't believe it, you know. People are open up. Kind of the silliest thing turned into like an academic, an epidemic all over the world of encouraging people and then using dream interpretation as another means. Now, that was a little bit higher bar than encouragement, but once you get the hang of it, it was so much fun. We had lines and lines of people for dream interpretation. I've interpreted a lot of dreams since then because I just keep it going. I just, I never stop doing my gifts. I never stop. That's what happens with people is they stop learning. They stop doing. And then they wonder why they don't have a destiny. They wonder why they can't, they don't know what's going on. It's because the kingdom of God is meant to be moving forward all the time and moving after all that God has so you use your gifts, right? Well, what happened is... There was feedback, and what happened is uh, about seven years ago, I'm a, see, I'm a forerunner, so in the middle of being a forerunner back then, I started forerunning within the forerunner. See, now that's, that's actually algebra. You had to put brackets around that because I was forerunning in the middle of a forerunning event. I don't even know how to do math, and that was weird. But in the middle of uh, being, because I'm prophetic and I'm always looking out ahead, because so, then the group gets, gets caught up now, prophetic evangelism seems to be a natural thing. Everybody's doing it, for crying out loud. Uh, now, as another forerunner, I'm saying, no, there's even more. Seven years ago, I began interpreting tattoos. And I never told anyone about it, really, and publicly. But out on outreaches, I thought it was kind of cool. Actually, I was kind of getting bored, is why I started doing it. And, you, know, you do thousands of outreaches. You finally, like, hey, you know. One big guy walked by me on Venice Beach. I remember the day it happened. Or a very big guy comes walking up. And we're out there doing encouraging words. Yeah. You know, right. <laughs> dream interpretation. Yeah, buddy. In your dreams. What he said to me. He goes, yeah, I'll give you something encouraging. That's what he said. He's a big old biker. And he goes, I'll, I'll encourage you, buddy. And, uh. You know, at that point, you don't want to do the laying on of hands thing because, you know, <laughs> he might catch on and want to join in, you know. So uh, I just said it just came out of my mouth. I can tell you what that tattoo means. He froze, glared at me, says, nobody knows what this means. And at that point, I'm thinking, oh, Lord Jesus. Sweet Jesus. My best friend, Jesus. The one I'm in communion with all day, Jesus. <laughs> and it just came to me. The Holy Spirit spoke to me. I use the same similar symbolism from dream interpretation where I learned actually a biblical understanding uh, to be able to uh, have eyes to see. You know, Jesus used... Uh, parables. It's very similar to parables. And you can see it even on, on TV now. You can see movies and things. And you'll be able to get eyes to see. So I just begin to prophesy over the tattoo. The guy had to actually sit down. I'm not kidding. And he had a soft heart. And he had been wounded. And, but there was something about his mother. He had a similar gift as his mother. Boy, did that hit him, man. And he just sat down. And he goes, I couldn't believe this thing. Right. So I started doing it and a little bit. And 
here and there, and I didn't talk about it publicly, you know, because that was already a controversy of what I was doing anyway, uh, you know, going to New Age events and doing stuff. I mean, my gosh, the New Agers thought I was Christian, and the Christians thought I was New Age. Like, <laughs> ah. How am I going to throw tattoos in the mix, you know? <laughs> so uh, I wrote a book, actually, and in 2002, I was awakened at... Uh, I was living in New Hampshire. Linda and I were living in New Hampshire. Uh, and we were awake. I was awakened at about 5 in the morning. And an audible voice of an angel said, Doug Addison, get up and write. And I wasn't going to argue. I got up. And I wasn't, necess- I wasn't a writer. Uh, and um, I wrote the outline of the book, Prophecy, Dreams, and Evangelism. I, I received, like over the next few weeks, a strategy on how to use the prophetic gift the dream interpretation, all in the way of evangelism because today people are saying, I'm spiritual, I'm not religious. They're saying what's true for you is not true for me. There's no absolute truth and we're trying to go out there and tell them the truth, which doesn't make sense. Really, as, as a, as, if we're missionaries, we should not be going out and trying to tell people the truth if they don't believe in absolute truth. Hello, McFly. I mean, to me, it's like... <laughs> Why are we starting with the very things? What well, we, we go in there and start with the very things that just blow every encounter up. And so uh, we found other ways to do it, just to share God's love. We're not trying to trick anyone. We're trying to just get the love of God, get them in the presence, let them see it, let them experience it, right? So I uh, went out on the road doing that for a number of years. Uh, I actually had one message for five years, only one message. It was 14 hours long, but I had one <laughs> message. And uh, that assignment began to lift off me. And uh, I, I had been doing the uh, tattoos. And then I had another angelic encounter. It was like the brackets within the brackets, right? I was, I was uh, forerunning in the middle of in 2004 while we were ri- living in L.A. I was awakened in the middle of the night uh, with an angel over me, uh, literally an angel. And some guys were like, yeah, right, buddy, an angel, right. You know, if I was to tell you a demon was in the room, you'd probably believe me, right? <laughs> That's a sad day in the church when... We, really, it is. It's a sad day in the church where you start talking about an angel coming into your room and you're doubtful. If you said it was a demon, you'd, you'd believe it. That's the condition we're in today. We're not, we're not, well, we're not conditioned to the supernatural. Now, angel, I have angel encounters all the time. I seldom see them. You don't have to see an angel. In fact, once you start to understand them and to be able to discern, you'll realize there's angels around you all the time. They really are. And I had an angel speak right into my spirit. Now, this angel was, I, this was literally like you would think, you know, golden braids and golden lips and speaking right into my ear, right? Angel breath. It doesn't even look compared to those little flowers. You know, powerful. And, uh, and I had an angel since then tell me why angels don't appear. I said, why don't you appear? And they said, we will not appear. Most of the time, we won't appear. In fact... The seven angels that are right up here right now will not show themselves because they refuse to have uh, attention drawn to them and not onto the Lord. They said, we just came in from the throne just now. These seven angels that are up here just came in from the throne just now to bring something fresh and they refuse to distract from the king. They're just a messenger. They're just the delivery guy. They'll come in as a UPS man. Really, they just, well, they're messengers. And that made sense then why we don't see them. Because I had always asked, why doesn't an angel appear? And it's because God knows the heart of a man, right? He knows we'd take their picture and sell it on eBay. 
But Lord, we'll give 10%. All right, 20. I'll split it with you. <laughs> Whoa. This guy's deep. Whoa. I'm not sure I trust him, though. Not sure I trust a preacher who looks like Rod Stewart. I'm just not like, sure. I woke up one day. I look like Rod Stewart. I, I never look. I never looked that way before. I used to have really thick glasses and a gray beard, and I weighed more, like thirty or forty pounds, about thirty-five pounds more than I do now. And uh, then that anointing came on me to help, and I realized, oh my gosh, I have a song. I do. I've got a song. I've been singing a song. Wake up, church. I think I got something to say to you. Forever young. Have I told you lately that I love you? Just saying. (laughs) Oh, man. So this angel uh, gave me another strategy. Uh, in 2004, gave me another strategy that we need. And we, I was forerunning, so 2004, it took a while to catch up because we were still in the height of prophetic evangelism at that point of, you know, using prophecy and dreams. And uh, the new would be, what I didn't know, would be destiny-based, telling people their destiny. So I began studying destiny because after meeting, I meet easy 15,000 Christians a year. And uh, at one point, uh, usually at the end of the year, remember I used to come at the end of the year, I'm, I'm actually suffering from ministry Alzheimer's in the end of the year. I, you know, uh, Hi, have I met you before? Because <laughs> not only do I meet 15,000 people, they all tell me their dreams. And I interact. I love people, right? And that's why I'm like the, uh, I'm like the drunk uncle that comes to the church every year. <laughs> anyway. In a good way. Drunk on God. All right, all right. (laughs) So I began realizing that a lot of Christians don't know their own destiny. Here we are going giving words of destiny, and Christians don't know their own destiny. So God began to give me a strategy to find destiny. And here I am forerunning once again. And I, I didn't get it when I even heard it. When I say it, people don't get it because that's what a forerunner does. <laughs> no one gets it. I, don't, I won't even say it because you won't get it, you know. <laughs> but for the next seven years, what I call destiny-based evangelism. We started out with friendship evangelism in the, in the uh, 90s. And power, or 80s, we had power evangelism. Then it freaked everybody out and we had to just be their friend. And so the 90s became friendship evangelism. You know, we were lucky, you know. Uh, hey, 10, 20 years, all right, whatever, you know, as long as someone comes to the Lord, right? And then uh, in, the, in 2000, uh, that was when the prophetic evangelism really popped up strong. 2010, it shifted and destiny-based evangelism. Now, it doesn't make sense, but it's telling people their destiny. It really is telling them what, what they were created to do and be is letting them know that there is something greater, right? And so I, I did a massive amount of research, about 1,500 hours of research. And um, that's when we moved, we actually moved to Moravian Falls, North Carolina in 2006 from L.A. 
And which was, by the way, which will make a good TV show someday, which it's called Punked by an Angel. <laughs> Have you ever been punked by an angel? It's like you're going one way and you think it's all going like this and there's a meeting in heaven that you didn't get invited to? Did that happen to you in 2006? Because it did. It happened to a lot of, every, a lot of people. We were moving one way and all of a sudden God said, well, <laughs> I'm going to do something different. He pulled a Forrest Gump. Well, we ain't doing that no more. And it just seemed like things shifted. And we were like in L.A. and there was a meeting in heaven. They said, we're going we're gonna to take the Addisons out of, out of Los Angeles the big city evangelist. We're going to move them to Moravian Falls, North Carolina. <laughs> Population 1,400. We had 1,400 Starbucks in L.A. Putting the Starbucks an hour away. I mean, I didn't think it was God when there was no Starbucks. No Starbucks? What do I do with my gold card? Then when we moved to Moravian Falls, North Carolina, we discovered a new gold. There's a good... Anyway, it was a... It was really weird. For, we were there for three years, and God used that time. Uh, we bought an angel cabin. I didn't know you could... I didn't even see one on the market, but <laughs> we bought an angel cabin. And uh, it had a, a writing loft in it, and I wrote uh, the original manuscript for what's now my book, Personal Development, God's Way. But the original manuscript I wrote in 2006... And uh, took it, and I began to study it more, and I wrote it, and wrote it, wrote it, wrote it. But see, I'm a speaker. And this is a tough thing for people who are speakers and not writers. I'm not born a writer, I'm born a speaker. And so it's harder for us speakers who need to be writers. Because if you're, if you're just a speaker, you can't get your message out to the world. You have to write as well. So I, I wrote it down, and you know, it was a 250-page manuscript on how to change your life. And then I, I felt like I should turn it into a... CD set, of course. That's what speakers do, you know. I was going to turn it into a CD set, 10 CDs. That's what happened. I went into a, a study group. I, I took a, uh, we did a study group, and um, I recorded 10 messages, not just sermons. I mean, these things were strategically designed to help you find clues about your destiny and lead you on a journey on discovering like a connect-the-dots drawing and discover clues and things that you need to get to the next level. And so I took it in and I did a study group in 2006 and we sent it out to 75. We did a study group with 75, sent it out to another 75 and we compiled it back. At that point, it was 10 one-hour sessions. But the, what people said when it came back to us, hey, that's too much. And I was like, okay, 10 hours to change your life? Right, let me get back to you. <laughs> I mean, who has 10 hours to change their life? My God. That's what I said. I'm like, they couldn't do it. So I was on my way. Actually, someone had given us money to do it, to develop the program. And I was going to record it in a studio in 2007 in New Jersey. I was on my way, and I, I, was, um, I flew in to, uh, to the Bay Area and did my very first one up in Santa Rosa in uh, 2007, the very first workshop on it. And it was 250 pages, and, and, and it was too much. I knew it. On the airplane, on the way there, I slashed it into half, 10 half-hour sessions and recorded it because that's all people could get. I slashed half of it out. And then I took that on the road for two years called Accelerating Your Life's Purpose. Kind of like a, uh, you know, you would see me in the middle of the night. Hey, buy my life-changing thing. <laughs> Accelerating your life's purpose. 
It's designed as a motivational 10 CDs, 30 minutes a day, you know, whatever, or a week or whatever, or a month, whatever, you know, just do it. And a workbook, a journal that goes with it, right? I know it looks like software, but um, took it around the world for, for two years. Went out and did Accelerated Life's Purpose, and I've been living these principles. And I learned more about it being out on the road two years, and especially coaching people. I'm a life coach. I'm a prophetic life coach, which is a trip. People think I'm going to tell them what to do next. Heck no. I'm going to make you do what God already told you. I'll be your worst life coach you'd ever met because I'll, I'll get on you and won't let you go. Right? Excuse me. <laughs> That's a good way to gain customers. <laughs> and so what happened is uh, uh, I, I put this out. It's been good. It's been a couple years. We've been hearing back. Immediately, we heard back that people were writing books. Several people wrote books and have not been able to write a book. I couldn't write my first book, uh, Prophecy, Dreams, and Evangelism. I tried to write it. After I, while I was studying this in 2004, I wrote this book in three weeks. I kid you not. I mean, I'd, I'd already had some research done, but I did the initial manuscript. I went every day to Starbucks, ten, about 10 hours a day. I mean, it was a lot of time in Starbucks, which if you're going to do that... Take a cushion. <laughs> I wrote, I've heard several people say they've written books that they've been putting off because it's developing a lifestyle of breakthrough instead of a lifestyle of avoidance. And a breakthrough lifestyle will radically change you. I've now, I'm, I'm right brain creative, really. I am, I am so creative. I'm not some gearhead. I don't have, uh, you know, I don't have a PDA strapped to me. I'm so unorganized. But because I've learned the breakthrough lifestyle of doing small things consistently over time, being consistent over time, it adds up. So uh, what I do, you do one small thing either a day or a week, over two weeks, six weeks, six months, a year, and you're way further from when you were with a lot of effort? No with one or two small things. And so I've done that consistently now for 10 years. And at the beginning of each week, actually, I write down two, three things. that If I, if I spiritually project myself to the end of the week, what would I like to have accomplished? And I find a way to break through to get those things done and a couple of small things. You, and you get a hold of this thing, and it, it's like what Mother... Actually, I thought of this when Mother Teresa said... Uh, small things done with great love can change the world. And she didn't become a saint by doing, taking one weekend and powering through it like we usually. We're waiting for that one time where we have 10 weeks to do it. We're waiting for that one time where everything's going to be perfect. The kids are out of town and all the laundry's caught up and your checkbook's balanced and there's extra money in the bank and God really provided you a writing sabbatical. It, won't, it probably won't happen. I'm saying this because there's people in the room who are called to write books. This is an anointed year for writing books. This is an amazing... In fact, the next book I'm putting out is how to write a book. Go figure. So, uh, so what happened just in the story there was um, uh, two years later after taking it out on the road for a while, I was still doing prophetic evangelism, but now I'm telling people their destiny. I'm using tattoos because tattoos talk about destiny. Uh, an amazing story. Uh, with Pastor Brent, the way he explained that and how God used that as a demonstration and a setup for what I'm doing up here, so I don't have to go explain that I'm saved and, you know, <laughs> to people. 
Because God wants to use everything to show people their destiny. So then uh, what happened is I got a, I got a phone call from a, a place called Destiny Image. And that's a, that's a big Christian publisher. And they said, we just read your stuff on Elijah List. And, and, and the reason I put it up on Elijah List is because I was doing one small thing to get started again in writing. And I started doing one small thing, one small thing. I thought, I'll just stick some stuff up on Elijah List, see if they put it up. And a couple of years ago, when they started putting my stuff up on Elijah List, Destiny Image, a publisher, reads it because I did one small thing. And they said, well, we're about to go into a meeting on Monday and we're going to choose the next 35 books for the next year, for this year. Uh, and we would put your book in it if you, if you have one. And I thought, well, I'm writing 30 books. I, am, I didn't know this. I looked on my computer and I'm writing over 30 books and then completing none. <laughs> because I've been suffering from this thing called perfectionism which I've had to repent from. And uh, perfectionism, everything's going to get better. Uh, that's why. I was, because to me, it, I can't wait till tomorrow because it, get, it gets better every day. <laughs> I'm an optimist. So I, therefore, I'd never release anything. It took me 10 years to release two books. James Gall did the foreword on this book. He's a friend of mine. He writes two books a year. And I don't know if he's a perfectionist or not, but I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> I, I couldn't release anything. So now I look on my computer and I think, well, what do I have, right? I don't know if I have anything. Remember, I slashed this one in half, accelerating your life's purpose. I had the original 250-page manuscript still there. Oh, and I've got now two years of experience. And so I went back. We, I took July of 2009 and took the whole month, had angelic encounters at my house over and over and over in July and wrote the, the hybrid uh, which is personal development God's way because if you can develop yourself in any way, shape, or form, it's the best witness of God. If you can change in any way, people want to know if there's a real God with real power to solve their real problems and they just don't want laying on of hands. They want to lose weight. They want to get their kids together. They want to go to school. They want to do stuff. They want to get out of debt. Because those things are the biggest witness. And when I stepped up and became an evangelist, I'm, I'm an evangelist to people, uh, you know, all over in the U.S. I'm a U.S. evangelist. One of the early things that I had to do was lose weight. And I'm not pointing anybody out. I didn't look at anybody when I said that, okay? <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> not even that. That's just one thing. See, it's not about weight. It's just about being healthy. You could just be healthy. You could, you could be big and healthy. I don't care. If you live longer, see, if you're healthy, you'll live longer. I was 45 years old when I discovered this. When I started in 2004, I was 45 years old. Don't do the math. And, uh, and I said, I'm going to go into my 50s. If I continue the, 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 the way I am right now, I'm going to go into my 50s and not be healthy. And I don't want that because I want to live healthy to see my grandchildren. I want to live healthy to be a witness for Jesus. I want to live healthy. I don't care what my weight size is. I want to be healthy to be able to say, well done, good and faithful servant. I want to be healthy so I can continue on without having to cut it short and pray for for people from a walker. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't have to be that way. So at 45, I put a plan into place, and I said, I'm going to do this with one small thing. I started it. And here I am now. It's what? That's now seven years later. I'll be 52 in a few weeks, and my first grandchild is due this year. 
Now, I may not look like much up here, but spiritually, I'm buff. And I don't hang out in gyms interpreting tattoos. In fact, two nights ago, I was interpreting tattoos at an ice cream parlor. (laughs) I said, wow, what is it, a bulldog? Oh, a chihuahua. (laughs) What was it? That's what I always ask. Anyway, so last year, God told me to, he spoke to me, he says, it's time to come out of the closet, son. And I'm not talking gay. Uh, He wanted me to... He really wanted me to start talking about tattoos. And I said, you do know... I had this conversation with the Lord. You do know what I do for a living, right? I mean, offerings are involved. And Christians are out there. Kids are in the room. Grandmas and people snaring at me. Yeah, I... I, You know. So I said, yeah, I'll do it, you know. So I went out and began to train people last year on how to do it. Actually, I did it two years ago privately at the church. Our, our, church's, uh, our church office is in the Santa Maria Vineyard. So the Santa Maria Vineyard had already been taking my dream classes, and there's two dream teams already been doing the stuff, right? So they're going to launch a new dream team, and they wanted me to train them, right? So I, they, I trained a group, and it was the first time I'd done it two years ago. They said, well, tell us what you do. Tell us the top secrets, well, I don't usually share my secrets. You know why? Because I don't know what they are. <laughs> They're so secret, I don't even know. Because I just do it. You ever just know, if you do something enough, you just do it, right? Just do it. That's, I don't know, I just do it. So I figured it out. And we met three months in a row, once a month. And I got a whiteboard, big whiteboard. And I said, well, hmm, this is how I do it. And I actually came up a few years ago with four things I looked for for dreams. Only four. That's all. I'm just reading, looking for four things. And the other part of it, that I, that's how I get a dream that, like that. I don't get confused with all the other stuff. I'm asking the Lord and I'm looking for four things. And then that's the same thing I start thinking about. Well, how do I start conversations? Because it's about evangelism. It's not about getting a big prophetic word and be, looking impressive with dreams. It's about... Uh, it's about Ephesians 1.17, which is, I pray that you, the eyes of your heart would be enlightened so that you, would may, uh, you may know him better because of wisdom. The spirit of wisdom and revelation would come upon you so that you may know him better. I want wisdom and revelation. Why? To know him better. So if I get a prophetic word or we interpret a tattoo or we do anything like that, what's the, re- what's the purpose? To know him better. That's my motivation. So I had to sit out and think about it. Well, secretly, actually, I, I actually cheat. Really, I, get, I jump start. I find ways because I don't cheat in a, in, a, in, a, in a dishonest way. But because when I go to encounter someone out in, the, in Starbucks or in the streets or in the mall or wherever, I enco- encounter people that need God, they've got the wall up. Do you know what the wall is? My gosh, if you've ever said the name Jesus, you've seen the wall. In fact, Pink Floyd started prophesying a long time ago about the wall. Started way back. The wall goes up, you know, and next thing you know, we're just, imag- we're just actually evangelistic mimes. 
because they're going la 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 right in your face. The shades go on, the iPod goes in. They don't listen, right? Well, I don't like that because if they can experience God, so I find ways to get the wall down. And so tattoos is one way. My gosh, Brent walks up and starts talking about a tattoo. It's his. It's that guy's. You know, and you're offering something to him. That's one way. Well, here's one thing I started noticing. Because I'm an interpreter. I've interpreted well over 20,000 dreams. And if I haven't gotten it by now, I'd be dumb. <laughs> the, about this interpretation thing. Because, see, if you can develop the ability, it's easy. Develop the ability to see God in everything. The kingdom of God is like the Incredibles. That's how you start. Five, right? Five-fold ministry. There was five family members. And when they stop using their supernatural gifts, crime breaks out. And when we do, we stop using the five-fold ministry, crime breaks out. The one had strength. One had flexibility. The other one wanted to disappear because she had false humility. But once she realized who she was and put a bubble over everybody and got into her gift of intercession... She was no longer afraid. Are you with me who these people are? One was dash. You move fast. We need to move fast, be flexible, be strong, get out of false humility, begin to step into who we are. That's what God was prophesying when I saw the Incredibles. And then there was the baby, Jack-Jack. Now, Jack-Jack looked evil, but Jack-Jack could do all of those things. And Jack-Jack, it represents this new generation that's rising up right now that's going to do things that we've never been able to do. They could do it all, but every move of God looks evil to the previous move. Go check out the hippie movement back in the 70s, the rest of the group, until Billy Graham stepped up. It's okay. They're Christians. He had, to, he had to sanction them. Billy Graham had to go in. We needed the, the big guns to go in and check them out. They smell like B.O. and patchouli oil, but they're Christians. Where do you think those Billy Graham breath mints came from? Eh? I'm not making fun of Brother Billy because I'm glad he stepped in with the hippies. We need to be that for people. This next move of God will look that way. This next move of God this year is going to be like the third level of inception. Because we're going to get to the deep things that keep people imprisoned. Right? The, the third level of inception That's a movie that just came out. Was it a dream? <laughs> See, we don't even know. That's the beauty of God. The kingdom of God is like Spider-Man. A Spider-Man appears, a spider seems to be evil, right? That's the charismatic church, appears to be evil to the rest of the church. But Spider-Man was good. His name was Peter, for crying out loud. He lived next door to Mary. Mary Jane. But Mary Jane was in love with the mean guy. Mary Jane represents the church who's in love with the world. And remember, Peter Parker stops using his gifts. What happens? Crime breaks out. He loses his vision, has to wear glasses. He lost his supernatural vision. In Superman 3, he got black stuff on him, pride. 
And in the movie, where did he go to get it off? A church. I'm just saying, it's prophesying. It's prophesying, right? And this is the ability to see, like that, like that. Last year, the Toyota cars started to speed up. Sudden acceleration syndrome. And I saw that, says, I looked over at Linda, I says, oh my gosh. OMG. That, she says, LOL. <laughs> she, I looked over and says, that's what God said. He's going to speed our destinies up this year. And now the Toyota cars are showing us. NASA still can't figure it out. Even last week they said, uh, we think it's the floor mats. We don't know. Because it's a prophecy. The Middle East right now, the, the, all the crisis in the Middle East of leadership right now is prophecy. It's prophetic saying there's old leadership styles that are over controlling are dying and there's a revolution going on. It's happening in the Middle East. It's going to happen everywhere. When I say a revolution, I don't mean you're going to ditch your pastors and stuff like that. That's what people, some people think. They're, yeah, we're part of the new revolution. God still loves everybody. And he values the old and the new. But he's going to launch new things out of this. We're going to see those this year. There's going to be room for the new. I prophesied this this year. This will be the year of room for the new. And you must understand honor. You honor your leaders. You do. I, I do new stuff. And there's, I have, sometimes have to go in other areas to do new things. To be honoring. We're, the kingdom of God is so big, we all, need to play, we all need to be able to play. You know, really. And that's it's happening this year. So these, I've been demonstrating for you the ability to see, eyes to see, and ears that can hear. If you develop that, then you can walk up to someone and you can either interpret their dream, or you can give them a word from the Lord because you can see it, or you can tell them about their tattoo. You can do that because you've developed the eyes to see. So I started looking at to get the wall down really quick because you don't have time when you're out there. I start wondering, hmm, I wonder why they chose that piercing in that area of their body. And so I started testing it out. I didn't tell anybody else. I, I'm out there on my own. I'm doing it all the time anyway. So out on outreaches and training other people, I didn't tell anybody, but I started noticing things like if it were a dream, what would it mean? What would a nose represent? If someone had a big nose in a dream... The ability to, to sniff out something. What gift would that be? Discernment of spirits. The ear. The ability to hear the Lord. The eye, the brow. The ability to see. They see stuff. There's seers, there's hearers, there's smellers, and there's speakers. Right? About the tongue, Speakers. Anything with the lips and tongue, speak. So some people, like my daughter, my daughter, when she turned 18, she calls me up, oh, Dad. I go, you didn't. I knew she got her tongue pierced. And then I started understanding it more. She not only got her tongue pierced, she got her ears lined, studded. Studded ears and a tongue, and I realize, I look at her gift, she listens to people and she feeds back advice. And the other ones that don't have the tongue pierced, they want just the ones who are drawn to their ears, are just the listeners. They're the dumping ground for problems. They're the ones who uh, people share their problems all the time, opening up with you all the time. 
Why were you drawn? I don't mean to go get a piercing. I'm just saying there's probably a reason we were drawn to it. God is so powerful. He's drawing us from the day we're born. And uh, there's all kinds of other areas, like the belly button. There's a connection with your generational calling or gifting that has not been fulfilled. Some reason men don't get those, and that's cool with me. (laughs) See, my generation said, if it feels good, do it. This generation says, if it hurts, do it. (laughs) Apparently. But I'm not going to judge them. Because I've been out there and I've seen, I've seen some stuff out there. You've been out, outside the church, you've seen some stuff. And I know that there's people that might look nasty on the outside but have a good heart. But you know what the thing with my generation is? You can look good on the outside and be nasty on the inside. I kind of find it refreshing. <laughs> people wearing their stuff. Really, they walk up and you know, there's a big thing looking at you and... And gosh, you've been through a hard time, right? (laughs) See, tattoos save us in evangelistic research. So I just start asking them about them. Like, why'd you get it? What was going on in your life? Listen to the story. Value the story. And a lot of them blow it off. Like, oh, that's not what I do anymore. Or maybe it was, I have no idea. I was drunk. (laughs) But God will still move in that. Not all tattoos are from God, obviously. <laughs> but there's still... I find ways to... What I do is if I see even anything evil, I've learned to do this with dreams. I've developed what I call... And actually, it's, I was going to talk about it tonight. It's in chapter 3 of my book. And I developed what I call the um, positive kingdom mindset. Now, that was a big word I had to come up with for Christians. The positive kingdom mindset. But it's where you realize that the things of God are totally opposite of the things of the world or Satan. God is opposite. With God, you give to receive. With God, you humble yourself to be lifted up. With God, you know, it's all opposite, right? There's a down, you can go right down the list. It's totally opposite. With God... Your destiny is like Jeremiah 29, 11. He wants to prosper you, give you a hope, no harm, a future, and total answered prayer. But in the world, we have poverty, we have hopelessness, we have no idea what our, our futures are, and we don't have answered prayer. So I'd say, I'm not that good at math, but they don't add up. So when I see the, when I see the negative over here, I realize in my book, oh my gosh, Doug Addison says... That's not God's will. When you see evil over someone, it's not God's will. Instead of what we've learned to do, though, is we've learned, we've focused on discerning their evil. How prophetic is that? They already know that. We've gotten microscopes. And putting jeweler glasses on, walking around, hey, is that some evil in there? God, is that a generational tar? You know what I mean? We're walking around looking at everyone's stuff where God is a Hubble telescope. He sees their future as he looks. He sees 
He sees your past. He sees your present. He understood what happened. He understands where you are right now. And he sees your future all at the same time. And he says, yes. And we've got to get Hubble telescopes going. We've got to get a bigger kingdom perspective. So when, when you see evil, someone comes up to you and they are talking about suicide and they are messed up. They're on drugs. This was me, guys. This was me. I was a meth addict. I was going to kill myself at age 25. I had a terrible past. I, w- I had nothing going on for me. I tried the church. They sent me away with a letter turning me over to Satan. So I took him up on it and became a Satanist. And really, by age 25, that's how I ended up in the Bay Area and had... I, you know, had not something happened where someone walked up to me to even say the opposite, some family members, to say the opposite, to say, you know what, you have an amazing call on your life. Why would, and this is what I figured out, why would the enemy be messing with anyone unless you have a destiny in this room right now? Why would, Satan would not mess with you or your family unless there's a call or destiny on your life because there's, I know, I did the math. There's the same amount of demons as there was the day that Satan fell to earth with a third of the angels. There's the same amount. They didn't multiply. The same amount of demons. Now, there's six billion people, the same amount of demons. They got their hands full. So what they do is they go around and they fake people and they punk them and they give them nightmares as a kid so that when they grow up, they'll fear the supernatural. I've seen these supernatural uh, the, the, the evil plans of the enemy to try to cut off people. And I call it spiritual identity theft. Spiritual identity theft. Where we don't know who we are. And then he uses, just like with Jesus, Jesus knew who he was. He goes to be tempted in the wilderness, right, to go into ministry. What's the very first temptation is, is Satan comes up to him and uses scripture twisted. Sounds like a rock band. Twisted scripture. <laughs> and you know, Twisted Sister was a pastor's kid. I'm just prophesying. Yeah, anyway, Twisted who? <laughs> twisted scripture. So what happens is Satan gets us to uh, do things like, uh, like die to ourselves. Right? And we end up going too far with it. Or he gets us... Actually, one of the very first thing of spiritual identity theft is where he gets you to believe that you are your sin. And so he even made this new big wave. Now, don't get me wrong here. Big new holiness movement came into the church, which is good. Holiness is good, right? Yes, it is. Last I checked. But there was an undertow in every move of God. There's the Satan in there with the undertow. Getting people rule bound, getting people thinking that they're bad if there's if there's sin, you know, and and getting people to look at their sin too much, and he gets you to believe that you are your behavior. Guess what? That's a lie. You're redeemed. I don't care how much you do your behavior. You're redeemed. And see, uh, you get you start giving up because Satan keeps telling you, well, that's your identity. You're an addict. And I say, I, I don't care what you know, what they all say. I say you're still redeemed in Christ. Seven times 70. I don't care how many times you got to ask forgiveness. Because 
Satan will get you. Spiritual identity theft, number one, Satan will get you to believe that your behavior, that your behavior is you, and it is not. You are, I don't, I don't care if you struggle with it, it's not you. So then you set out to get out of it. One day you wake up and you go, oh my gosh, I got to get back to things, right? So you pull out the Bible, seek first the kingdom of God and all of his righteousness, right? Then you realize, I'm going to have to die to this thing. Oh, isn't that a day? The day you realize you got to die. Whoa. They didn't tell me that when I became a Christian. I was going to get parking places out front in all glory. And I found out later, i got to die. And I've got to kill this guy called the old man. I didn't even know about killing the old man. Apparently, twisted scripture got in. People killing the wrong old man. You know what I'm saying? They're blowing away their parents and their grandparents. Twisted scripture. And so what, we, we go out then to die to ourselves. And we die too hard. In fact, Bruce Willis was trying to tell us we'd die harder. He was. He was trying to prophesy. God was trying to use that movie. He said, stop dying so dang hard. You'll lose everything if you die too hard. You can't die too hard. No, you can't die harder. So what we do is, I know this exists because I said to a lady, I go, my goodness, what you just did was amazing. It was really good. I just want to commend you and say thanks for doing it. It was a blessing. They go, oh, no, it wasn't me. It was God. Well, I know it was God, but you had to say yes. You're not a puppet. You're not a robot. You're a son or a daughter. You still had to say yes. See, we don't want to be prideful, so we swing it over here. And we're like the girl in the, in the Incredibles. It's false humility. No one look at me. I'm invisible. So we, no, it ain't me. I'm just a donkey Jesus rode on. What? The donkey Jesus rode on? I heard a lady say that. She goes, yeah, I'm the donkey that Jesus rode on. Another guy comes up, yeah, you think that's bad. I'm the blanket on the donkey that Jesus put his rear on. I'm nothing, man. Oh, yeah? I'm the dirt under the donkey. Oh, yeah, you think that's bad? I'm the dung that came out of the donkey. I'm nothing. I'm dead. That's why we don't know our, our destiny, because we're donkey dung half the time. We're trying to die like a turd instead of living for Christ. Did I just say that? I like... We've got to fill it with something more. You can't just die without, even John the Baptist, that's where we got the idea is John the Baptist, you know, he must become greater, I must become less is what he said. He didn't say he's going to go shrivel up and no one look at him and, and, be, and refuse to allow people to see your name on anything. That's false humility. That is, I'm exposing it. In fact, I'm writing a, a, a booklet coming out very soon called... Spiritual identity theft exposed. That's false humility. Because a son or a daughter is proud of what the king gives them in a good way, in a balanced way. So that he can say, see, God, we all want to be children of God, right? We want to be a child of God. But he wants us to grow up as well and be a son or a daughter and a man and a woman. Don't you love the day? My daughter's 26 now, but, you know, when she's 15... I love the day when she could come to a place where she could clean her own room without having to be told. Where she could get up and do stuff without being told. 
But now, spiritual identity theft comes in and says, I can't do anything without God telling me step by step. Which is okay in the beginning stages, but later on, when you get out of the diapers, you must mature into the deeper things of God where you know His heart so you can walk into any given situation and know His heart and be able to do His will. Are you with me? Because people then, now we have to become servants to become kings. Right? We have to become servants first, and then, uh, we, then we become a family. I was walking around too long as a servant. 1994, when the Toronto blessing came, and it came to the, uh, uh, they brought it into uh, San Francisco Bay Area. John Arnott and, and Randy Clark, when they first brought the laughter in, you know who, where they went? Did you ever see where they went? They didn't go to all the big churches or not. Oh, no. They came into uh, four Chinese vineyard churches invited John Arnott and Randy Clark in 1994 over in, in uh, Burlingame. Anyone go to it? Yeah, did you? That cracked me up. I mean, it just, I just laughed and laughed and laughed and laughed because we needed it, right? Well, I remember, though, when Randy Clark prayed for me. He said, you... He says, You've been a, you're acting like a servant. He goes, come out of that. He says, you're living in the servant's quarters. You're supposed to be in the king's quarters. That's what he said to me in 94. He says, get out of the bunkhouse, boy. The bunkhouse is where the servants live. And, I, and it was supposed to be like we are. We, we learn to be a servant, but we can't live in the bunkhouse. We can't live in the spiritual recovery room. We can't live in the spiritual hospital. We, we've got to be able to be sons and daughters. See, the servants, you have to learn first. They stand, let's picture the king at the table, and the servants are learning to serve. We go through that in our maturity process. You learn his heart and when he wants something, right? But then, John 15, Jesus, Jesus says, I now call you friends. And you get invited to the table. AT&T's prophesying, friends and family plan. <laughs> We can share minutes. And then we get invited to the table. And when you understand his heart, he can turn to you then. Listen, Psalm 37, 4 says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Now, if, you, if your heart gets in line with him, he can give you those desires. And he can turn to you and say, What do you want to do? What do you want to do? Now, not everything you want to do is the Lord's will. You'll learn that. But he loves creativity. I have done things, I tell you, and I'm not inviting you to, to do this, but I, once I read where Jesus said in John chapter 2, he does his first miracle, and, uh, and he hadn't even preached yet, and his mom, I don't know, they ran out of wine. You've heard my, I don't know if you've heard my routine. Why'd they run out of wine? After Jesus' disciples show up. Right? <laughs> Jesus brings a bunch of fishermen who haven't heard his message yet. So his mom comes up. And told him to perform a miracle. And he says something interesting. He goes, woman, my time is not yet come. It was outside of God's will. Or timing, not his will. Here's the difference. I said it wrong. God's will is that everyone be touched. God's timing wasn't there yet. But he stepped out for the better good of the people. Right? And because his mom told him. (laughs) Now... If you are going to get outside of God's timing, here's what I'm going to say. If you are going to do it, do it by touching other people at least 
So if you're going to mess up, you're going to love people. Because, right? This is a dangerous message here. Because if you're messing up with love, how bad can can it get? I'm telling people to give encouraging words prophetically, prophetic evangelism. They go, what if we're wrong? My gosh. Jeez, what are you going to do? Put them in a hospital? You're encouraging people. How bad can you mess up? I've been out there and I just, gosh, I I was out on the limb so far, there wasn't even fruit on that limb. I was hanging out there and I, I shred. I just said something and the person's burst into tears and we ended up ministering to them. And I'm walking away and I hear the Lord say, it's not what I said, but it was a good idea. I think we'll do it. Because the prophetic gift is creative. And it was in line with his heart. And I had the word of knowledge in his heart that unlocked it. Don't get me wrong. But if you are going to get outside of God's will, do it with love. Because, see, we're all afraid to get outside of his will. We don't do anything. That's called fear. Fear is a four-letter word that starts with F. It's not good. It holds us down. Did I just say that? My gosh, we got to get out. That's another spiritual identity theft is fear. And it's acceptable in the church and it should not be acceptable. Spiritual identity theft is, is where we don't know who we are. We start believing the lies in our head and we start believing the negative thoughts about others is what God's speaking. And it's not because God is love. Spiritual identity theft robs us. And we need to get back in. We are, we're not in, in this area of knowing who we are, we're not the best, but we're getting better. We are. We're getting better. We're going to do it this year. This is the year to recover it all. It really is. To get back in there, step up and say, God, use me. Step up and take a a step forward. Matthew 7, 7 says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. What else? Knock, and the door will be open. Well, look at that. A-S-K, it's an acronym. Ask, seek, knock. It doesn't say sit on the couch and wait for God to open the door. It doesn't. It says to be proactive. Just ask, seek, and knock. And so now if you are waiting on God, you're doing the last thing He told you. If you're doing nothing right now, you better go look for the last thing He told you because that's why you have nothing. This is a prophetic word. There's several people in the room right now who nothing, nothing's happening for you because he already told you to do something and you need to go back and start doing it. And that will start it all up again. It'll all start right back up again. And you'll start hearing the Lord again. All right, then. Don't get me excited. I'm getting excited up here. All right. Hey. What's it got to do? <laughs> Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Are we out of time? Oh, anyway. I'm getting excited. I never preach and yell at people. (laughs) I'm the love guy. I'm up here yelling. Scared me. I remember when I first went to church when I was five, there was a guy with a crooked finger that yelled at people. That's all I remember. There was two guys in chairs, big chairs behind him. And when I was five years old, I really, this old guy, he'd start to get all worked up and yelling at people. And, and then he'd work up so much, and I'd watch these guys up here, they'd start going like this at him. 
And they'd start to stand up, and I'm thinking, yeah, come on, guys, cut them off. Say that thing that they say that makes them stop. Amen. I thought that meant settle down up there, pal. Because they... <laughs> it's a true story. I didn't go back to church for a long time after that. It came from an abusive home. It scared me. People yelling up there. Ooh, boy. Okay. Wow. So uh, I started talking about uh, identity theft and helping people find their destiny, right? And uh, the whole thing is, is how it ties in is, is dreams. Your night dreams point towards your life dreams. There's dreams at night, chapter 10, <laughs> by the way. Did I prophesy chapter 10 over anybody that, today? How many people? Let me see well, chapter 10. Take You'll take 10? How about 10? Who needs a 10? Anyone on a 9? I'll raise you a 10 right there. I prophesied chapter 10 over several people hearing the voice of God using night dreams to point towards your life dreams. If you're having dreams of running or being chased, stand up right now. Running or being chased. Come on, stand up. Don't come up to me later. This, this anointing expires in 90 seconds. <laughs> well, Brother Doug, I was afraid to stand up. I know. Running or being chased dreams, running, or you can't move. You can't run. There we go. Thank you. Or you can't move. You can't run. Here we go. Last call. Actually, there's seven more people. Watch this. Seven more people. Seven more people. Last call for running or being chased. Seven more. Don't make me point you out. I am prepared. Thank you. I saw that running. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. There we go. There was three more. Three more. Last call. There we go. Thank you. Three more. There they are. Here we go. All right. There's a reason why something evil wants to stop you, right? How could that be a destiny dream? Because if there's something evil wants to stop you because you have something good to do. Right? And so, well, let's just pray for these, these guys. I had that dream. And it's going to change. There is amazing things that God wants you to do. So, Father, we release right now destiny. I pray right now there'd be a new authority that's going to come. And this, this thing that's been trying to catch up to them, it won't be Satan catching up to them. It'll be God taking over their destiny. Father, I break off fear right now in the name of Jesus and release destiny and the light of God over them. Amen. You can have a seat. How many people are having dreams right now of having a... You've been having them about having a baby or being pregnant or anything to do with a baby. Stand up really quick. I'm going to prophesy destiny over you. This is right in my book about dreams at night that point towards your life dreams. Babies, let me help you out. Uh, maybe a baby was given to you. I got one given to me. Ba uh, uh, there was a, a baby left in my truck. Or babies that you're, or people are, you know, you're pregnant or you're going to have a baby or whatever. Babies, I know, don't point at me. You know? <laughs> babies represent new things, new life, new gifts, new things that God wants to do. And so, uh, notice, did it talk early or have hair and teeth? Anyone have that one? That means your gift is going to mature fast. Was it double, triple, twins, triplets? Was it... Was, a lot of them, it's going to be double, triple anointing, right? There's all kinds of different types of baby dreams, but they all really boil down, most of them to God has either, he's got a new gift, a new anointing, a new invention, a new job, a new book, a new something, a new ministry that's going to be released to you. He wants to do this right now. We need to pray for these guys. Father, release the new things. 
And did you know that there's actually uh, 15 people that didn't stand up? There is. And I want you to get this. I'm just going to sit here. You want to get this. I am prophetic. Thank you. I knew I saw that baby. There's always a man in the group. I knew it. There's two men just stood up. Two men. Three. That's what I was saying. The men won't stand up on this one. I ain't standing up no baby during. Come on. So, Father, let it come right now. Strategies from heaven. Whoa. In Jesus' name. Amen. You can have a seat. So that's one. Now, there's the other piece that we could keep going with different things, different ones. Uh, everybody's trying to communicate what they value and what, they, what it is their life is about. But most people don't have eyes to see and ears to hear. And so I've learned to listen and look and watch and watch people and, and understand what it is. Why they're drawn to a certain area or even a tattoo or something like that. I don't have any tattoos. I'm afraid of needles. But yeah, that's another story. Um, but my daughter, I found out on Facebook, you want to know anything about the kingdom of God, you got to be on Facebook apparently. It's, it's, I find out more about everybody, you know, and when their relationship status changes. I'm like, oh my gosh. I really found out about OMG when someone's relationship status changes, you know. And... Uh, <laughs> So my daughter, uh, she posts a picture on, on Facebook of a new tattoo on her, on, her, on her right foot. A star. Oh. Because, you know, if, unless you've been in the military, what foot do you step with? Yeah, you're stepping into something new. She's going to be the star of her family. She doesn't, oh, this is the part. She likes me, but this is the part that bugs her. Is it scares her that she is called to do greater things than me. She doesn't know. You don't know how to deal with that. I'm not being prideful here. Because that's what bugs her, really. And she doesn't see it yet. In fact, she doesn't even know. But that's okay. Because she's prophesying it over and over. Over and over. And God is faithful. And I've learned something. God told me a long time ago. He says, you want to reach your daughter and her generation and people? He says, do what I do. And this is what God told me. He said, Jesus said, love people and let the Holy Spirit convict them of sin. That's what he said. Jesus said, the Holy Spirit has come into the world to convict people of sin. And he says, I want you to love God, love your neighbor, and love yourself. He didn't say anything else. And now I don't mean to be really, uh, you know, that you don't correct people or anything. I don't mean that. But I mean that you love them. And when I started doing that, my daughter started really opening up and being who she is and giving her that freedom. And other people, other people, start prophesying that. I got, I've been doing tattoo prophecies now for a while, even in churches. This year, I started the year. That's how, usually if I start the year on something, it's going to be the year. Last year, I started the year on comedy. And I did comedy all year, really strong. This year, my first meeting of the year, I started out with uh, doing tattoos and then all of a sudden, I'm doing tattoo altar calls. And it's it just something that's going on right now is the ability to see what, how God sees things, right? And I just know it's about to, uh, to break loose. I was thinking about doing another book called Prophecy, Dreams, and Tattoos. 
Just a series. <laughs> Prophecy, dreams, and babies. Expanding the kingdom of God through childbirth. Anyway, uh... <laughs> So let it come now, Father. I pray for creativity from heaven. Creativity from heaven. Don't you want to do something new? Don't you feel like you're called to do something that a lot of people have never tried or had the guts to do? Oh, Father, I pray that we would not hurt ourselves. But I pray that we'd have boldness to do it. This is a year. All right, I just want to prophesy. This is a year that between... Actually, God just spoke to me between now and April. We're in a season of, of doing things that you didn't, couldn't do before. I've been trying to write 30 books. All of a sudden, I, I finished two. I finished two in, in, in like within three weeks. And I didn't know it was there until I started doing it. God said, this is not just you. This is for everybody. And he said to tell my people, it's here right now. But when you step out, you're going to hit a wall first. Because I wrote like two weeks ago, when I heard the Lord say this, I caught it. There was a shift in the spirit. It was so gentle. The wind shifted in the spirit that most people, I was missing it. And one morning I caught the wind in the spirit. So I don't know, that's weird. But I just, I felt the wind shift in the spirit. And I went to write. And I went, oh, whoa. Ten hours later, whoa, revelation coming, right? Yeah. And uh, I did this. And then last Friday, uh, a week ago Friday, I was leaving on a, an event on Saturday. And so I had to leave at noon the next day. So all day Friday, I wanted to finish this book called Spiritual Identity Theft Exposed. And so I wrote for eight hours at my, uh, on my sofa. And I, oh, man... In and out. I was going back and forth answering emails. I was able to bounce in and out and do stuff and feeling good, doing laundry all at the same time. You know, it was a miracle. It was. It's like, whoa, it was one of those days. The wind hit. And all day long, it was great. I was getting revelation into this thing. I got to the end of the day. Was, I guess it was about 6, almost 6 p.m. And I closed my document and everything. I forgot to save all day. I never do that. I'm a computer network engineer. I know better than that. I tell other people not to do that. All my other documents I saved every 20 minutes, but I couldn't get it back. It was gone. I Googled everything, and all I could find, Google, gone. Face it now, pal. You know, that's, I, I was so bummed because the way I write, it's like a song comes in my head, and it was a masterpiece song all day. And it just felt like it blew with the wind. And spiritual identity theft, ident- my, I was stolen from. So I was really down. Linda came and she says, you know, everyone's telling me, flip it. And flip it good. Because that's what I tell other people. They can't wait to tell me. My own. I always tell other people, flip it. And flip it good. I couldn't find one positive thing in it to flip. I, I was ready to skip it. And skip it good. <laughs> That's what I determined for that day. I was going to skip it. It was another loss. Chalk it up the way the last three years have been. So I I was going to go to bed. I thought, well, I'll do one last thing of encouragement. God wanted me to buy a tattoo website. I've got a couple in the works. And so I thought, well, I'll just go buy that tattoo website that this guy designed. And I was going to pay him. And a couple of kids in their 20s back in Chicago heard the Lord and came up and handed me the exact amount I needed. And they, they sewed into it. I could have paid it. 
it was only 97 bucks. I could have paid it, but I knew that there was something about when someone sews into a, a kingdom principle, a project. And so I was waiting till someone, the Lord spoke to two young kids in Chicago, and they came, they were so thrilled. So I, got, I knew I had the money, my $97, and I was going to go get it, and I put it off. So that night I thought, before I go to bed, at least I'll take one thing. So I went to buy the tattoo website, deal closed. I missed it. And there was no other tattoo website deal like that, you know, that would allow me to customize it and it was all the work's done and blah, blah, blah. At that point, you might as well chisel my, key, uh, my tombstone. Doug Addison, the has-been. The man that could have been. The man that almost made it. I went to bed down. Because I knew that I was leaving the next morning. I wasn't going to be able to... I was going to leave at noon the next day. I wasn't going to be able to write till Tuesday. And all this... I'm not going to remember all this stuff, right? So I, got, I emailed the guy, the tattoo guy. He says, please, oh, please, Mr. Tattoo Man. <laughs> nothing, nothing, nothing. Next day, next morning, I woke up at 6 a.m. And I heard the Lord say, recover it all. And I got up. And I didn't feel like David, you know, with, with mighty men. I went downstairs and started to write again. Six hours. I did eight hours of work at six hours. Noon came when we were supposed to leave. And I finished the book. And it was better than before. I recovered it all. Yes, that's what I said. I felt good again. And the, uh, the other thing is, is I pleaded uh, with the tattoo guy. I said, have mercy on me, a sinner. And I, I just, you know, pretty much... I said, have mercy on me. I told him my story, how I wanted to use it. And he gave me the, he sold me the tattoo website and with an upgrade. And that all came the next, but here's what God said. He said, tell my people, this is what's happening right now. This is a season to push in and do great things, but the enemy will try to hit you, but don't believe it. How, has anyone seen this already? Because I got email. Look at this. Uh, I've got email from it. It's on my blog. It'll be out on Elijah list this week. I got email all over the place with the same thing happening where you can actually make a breakthrough in your life right now and the enemy will try to smoke screen you. Don't let him do it. Hit, just hit back at what it is. Don't hit at him. Hit back at what God called you to do. Stay focused back on it and you will see a breakthrough, I tell you. So, Father, we pray for that. I pray for breakthroughs. I pray that this would be a year of uh, doing greater things. This is a year of doing. We've soaked. We've soaked till you choke. Up and choke. Open smoke. Open up and soak. We have soaked and soaked. This is a year now to do things. So I ask, I know I'm going in and out of prayer mode. I know. You don't know whether to close your eyes or keep them open, do you? I see people going. <laughs> All right. Here we go. Let it come now. Oh, before I forget and before any mayhem ha- happens, uh, I know it's only February, so it'd be February ham. And uh, God spoke to me. I never sell, st- I've never been a salesman. In fact, if you know me, I always say this. You know, if there's something out at my book table and you feel like that God spoke to you uh, about it and you don't have the money, pay what you can. 
If you have more, you know what to do. Right? I've been saying that for about two years now. And God told me to bring a bunch of stuff here. And that uh, we rented a, a full-size SUV. And the guy even at the thing says, no one rents full-size SUVs because of the gas. I go, I got 14 cases out there. I'm going to blazing fire. <laughs> I never do stuff like this. But my Accelerating Your Life's Purpose, when it first came out, was $125. And we put a lot into this. Uh, but you know what? I think we're selling for 30 bucks or something or whatever. I bought a bunch of them because God told me that this is the time, this is the year that this message would hit it, would, would take root. You can take it on my website, DougEdison.com. I've launched my uh, launch, uh, Inlight U, Inlight Connection University online. And my first class on there, you can take this online for 25 bucks, personal interaction with us. I'm just, I'm not trying to woo you. I'm trying to say, change your life. Find a way to change. We're, we're launching a new one every month. A way to change. All of my stuff like this, my book has uh, exercises. You know, practical exercises. Like, like number one. In fact, I'm going to give you this one right now. What is one thing, one thing that if you were to do would change your life? What's one thing maybe you've been putting off? There's one thing that you've been maybe putting off or wanting to do or someday. I found out that the road to someday leads to a town called Nowhere. And this is a year to break through. So there's one thing. You got it? Maybe it's you want to go to school. Maybe you want to write a book. Maybe you want to get healthy. Maybe you just need to uh, do your laundry. I don't know. Whatever. Really. It could be stuff like that because that weighs on you. Maybe it's call a loved one. Maybe it's heal a, a, re- a relationship that's broken. Whatever it is. Now, what's one simple step that you can take towards it? Simple step. Not... Okay, tomorrow I'm going to cross-reference every box in my garage. It's not a simple step. A simple step would be send an email, buy a book, download an application, cut out a picture and stick it on your fridge, or put it in your Bible, whichever one you go to more. I have stuff on my fridge and I have stuff in my Bible. But what's one step you can take? Do some research, right? Tomorrow that you could do. And you know what I did? I wanted to get healthy. So I found, I just stopped at Barnes & Noble on the way home. And I I wasn't going to get no, you know, washboard ab thing. I looked at it and I gun, you know. It wasn't me. So I found something. It wasn't the name of the book, but it was basically... Getting in shape for couch potatoes. And just had a checklist, you know, it was really easy. Do three of these, check. Do four of these, check. Do five of these if you can. And it was real easy. And I just started doing that over and over. You know, uh, it, it was hard at first, real hard. Then, it, then momentum kicked in. And then I was doing 25 each in a short period of time. But even this day... When I go back to do those ab, these are my ab exercises, and I'd show you my abs, but I don't want you to be judged with jealousy. So I shall not allow you to fall based on anything that I do. 
And to this day, like this week, I only did them once. And I celebrated for that one. I don't put the heavy judgmental thing on me. What's one thing you can do? If you want to write a book or something, I wanted to learn how to do dreams. So I found out who was doing dream interpretation. Find something that someone else is doing and look into what they have. Read their stuff. Nowadays, you can get on their podcast. You can read a a newsletter. Do something simple tomorrow. And then do something after that and develop this and do something. And you're going to develop a breakthrough lifestyle. I'm convinced. See, here I am, the supernatural guy talking about doing stuff. Boy, that doesn't sell. Really, to my group, it's just like they don't get it. Until you hear me talk about, we're going to break through this year, guys. We are really, really... We're going to break through. All right, now some mayhem. Now that I got the stuff out of there. <laughs> oh, my gosh, I'm getting a word of knowledge. There's um, someone there that while I start talking, your lips started either tingling or burning or feel big right now. Some sensation in your lips or mouth. Stand up. Word of knowledge. Let me describe it. There's sensation in your mouth. Lips, tongue, mouth. Some of it might be even a supernatural thing, and some of you, even as I'm saying it, you're getting it. It's not the power of suggestion. Uh, it is the. It's called uh, the anointing. <laughs> last call for big lips. Last call. <laughs> you would pay good money. There we go. Thank you. Don't you feel something? What do you feel? Her tongue. What are you feeling? What are you feeling? Something kind of hot. Swelling lips. Numbness. What are you getting? Numb for a year. Praise God. (laughs) She's about to do it. She's getting warm too over there. All right. Last call for the lips. Last call. Lips, tongue. Come on. Thank you. Thank you. I saw that tongue. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Here we go. Come on. Now. Now notice this. Notice that the birds of the feather tend to flock together. There's a bigger group over here. It is interesting. I just always like to... Not, not that you guys are left out, but notice it's a big group back there and there's a bigger group over here. I would bet there might be an angel around those guys. And these guys here are pretty sensitive to that angel because there's a big lip angel in the room. <laughs> which is a speaking, giving the authority in the tongue. So, Father, we release authority over words right now. They would not return void. They would words spoken in, the, in season. Words spoken. In fact, the people standing right now, there's people in your life that need some words, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> oh, boy. Cut. Let it come. Come on. There we go. There we go. Now, you don't have to feel anything. Isn't that interesting, though? All right. But wait, there's more. Okay, you can sit down if you want. But I felt really strong. I, and this is my signature anointing, by the way. I don't just repeat this everywhere I go. But I do notice that I have a, what I mean by signature anointing, that is everywhere I go, I get the same thing. been doing it for years because the, the shoes of the readiness to share the gospel of peace is the anointing of an evangelist. And everywhere you place your feet, you shall have authority. You shall bring peace. You shall open doors. And so my feet burn and burn and burn and tingle and feel hot. 
And if yours do too, stand up. Feet or legs and knees. Feet, legs and knees. There's an anointing right now. Watch this. Watch it increase. Watch it increase. Stand up if you just got it. Feet, legs, and knees. T- sensation, burning, tingling, something unusual, warm. Some of you have total cold all of a sudden, and that's it too. All of a sudden it was cold because you're, you're uh, I don't know what it is, something, uh, I don't want to say it negative, but it's just opposite of what others get. Last call for the feet, last call. So, Father, we thank you for the shoes of the readiness to share the gospel of peace. We thank you for the evangelistic anointing, these people standing, and 13 more that did not stand. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Because I don't want you to miss out. And I wait until we get our full... There we go. Until we get, we get a full house. <laughs> And we start feeling flush. <laughs> there we go. So, Father, I thank you that there's evangelistic encounters that are about to happen. And it's not only that. They're, they're going to increase over-the-counter encounters, under-the-counter encounters, behind-the-counter encounters, around-the-counter, around-the-corner encounters, Starbucks encounters. I saw grocery store encounters. Uh, I saw a house encounters. Oh, my gosh. Father, I thank you. That there's things about to happen. Isn't it amazing? Father, I thank you for this hot leg anointing right now in Jesus' name. <laughs> Isn't it increasing? Let it come more. Now, how about it? How about you get the hands too? Anyone get the hands? Look at this. The hands too. Because you're about to touch people <laughs> with his presence. Let it come now. More, more. Increase it, God. <clears throat> more. <laughs> this, how, this is really weird. What else is going on? The hand anointing? It's relational. See, now most people would be the laying on of hands of healing, but if it's me around... I'm an evangelist, so it's probably the shaking of hands and the relationship gift. That's my, my anointing with hands. I, I have a, we all have access to all the gifts. I have a healing anointing, uh, but we all do, but it's usually relational healing. Hey, everybody was kung fu fighting. <laughs> Whoa, we've got a front kicker here. The Doug Addison School of Ministry says, stand sideways. <laughs> Whoa. Man. Oh. oh. Front kicker, front kicker, hey. All right, now, isn't this weird? This is weird. Is your kids in the room? This is... You're feeling it up in your chest right now? You feeling that sensation? I'm not going to say the chest, but how many people are feeling that right now? Yeah, come on down. Really, come on down. You got your uh, chest or breasts, uh, and there won't be any laying out of hands. Don't worry. Uh, come on. 
Now, you guys have to have. You, you've got to have. Don't come down here if it's not your chest or breast. Now, if you're listening to the audio, uh, I am saved. Really? This, you really are getting something sensation? Because I felt an angel come in, and uh, the angel then would be representing compassion and nurture. And it's a friend of the angel love that travels with me. So let it come right now, Lord. There's an increase. There's more people getting it right now. Come on down. It's all right. The water's good. We won't hurt you. I'm not even going to touch anybody. I just realized what I said. I meant because there's people out there afraid to come because they thought they'd fall down. Let it come, Lord. The nurturers. Here, watch this. There's more. There's more people out there. Come on down, really. I'm serious. Because if you come down, and you're, if you're out there, you're stepping out, you're, not a, you're, you're fearful. And we want to break off fear. And also, because there's such a large number on this word of knowledge, I was waiting for one. I was doing several and waiting for the, for the uh, gold mine to hit. Because that usually represents the, the type of angel that's here for ministry tonight. And it's this nurturing, loving angel. So, Father, we release love, the love of God, yeah? Yeah, I was going to not do it because last time someone got hurt. (laughs) Hey! It's the woe angel! Feel it, war- the warmth, the compassion, the nurturing. Oh boy, there's an evangelistic angel here too. Cause see, this is love. It's it's the love. Wow, it's the love of the Lord. It's the compassion of the Lord that's going to overcome all these things. And so, Father, give it to us more, more and more and more and more and more. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hey, come on now. Let it come. Here we go. Here we go. Increase it. Increase it. Uh Oh, my gosh. They might restart the show touched by an angel. Okay, it's the Holy Spirit, too. He's here. People freak out when I start talking about angels. They're from God. It's okay. It's from God. Wow. Excuse me. Because we don't want to fall on one of these and poke our eyes out or anything. Hey. Thanks. 
Whoa. That was good, wasn't it? You guys need that. Oh, relax. It's palm olive. It's okay. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> I want to come to this church to film my new video, the commercial for my video called Gifts Gone Wild. You've seen what they do with those crazy charismatic meetings now. Gifts gone wild. Whoa. Whoa. (laughs) You want a hug? $2.99 a hug. (laughs) Let it come. Let it come. All right. Here it comes. And for no extra charge, for those who are brave enough to come down, you guys get this too. You get a comedy anointing. I've never released a comedy anointing outside. Outside of, I take it, only time I've ever do it is if I'm teaching in an acting school or teaching a comedy class because we do not want to point that gift in the wrong direction. Because comedy's a serious business. But some of you guys need a comedy anointing. That's a new level of stand-up comedy. We have lay-down comedy. We have beating on the floor comedy. Let it come right now, Father. If it's possible to impart a comedy anointing, which it is. In other words, you guys need to 